Good morning, church. I'm feeling the need to greet you because it's been a while since I've been prepared to preach or had the opportunity to preach, and so we're eager to see the Lord move. And so this morning we're going to continue in our series in Acts. Um, We're moving to Acts chapter 4, but we're going to be at verse 23, 23 to 31. Page 1696. Before we start, I think having a broad scope of where we've been and where we're going will be helpful. So we're going to do a little bit of a recap. And so, as you might remember, we had worked our way through Luke quite a while ago. And at the end of Luke, Jesus is crucified and he dies and he raises to life. And after he raises, he appears to his disciples and he said, You saw that I died, and you see that I'm back. And this is proof that everything that I've said is true and that I am the fulfillment of the Old Testament. And so you are to bear witness. You are to spread the gospel on this earth. But you should also wait, because I'm going to pour out my spirit on you, and that will give you power to proclaim in the whole world that I'm the Savior. And so we fast forward to the book of Acts, where we are in this series, and the Acts begins with Pentecost, where the power from on high that Jesus has promised is poured out in the Holy Spirit, and Paul preaches to the crowds, and thousands believe and join the kingdom of God, and the Holy Spirit grows the church by the thousands. And here we are in Acts chapter 3, where we find the beginning of the story that ends with our text for this morning. And so, as you remember, Peter and John had gone up to the temple, and the temple is where the people would have gathered, and it's where the religious ruling authorities of the Sanhedrin gather. And they go up, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, they heal a lame beggar. A man who has not walked since he was born 40 years ago is prancing around the temple because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Now the power of God is manifest and Peter and John testify it and they bear bold witness and people believe. And so the Sanhedrin, the Jewish leading party, is upset. This is not what they want to hear and this is a direct threat to what they want to happen here because this is the kingdom of God advancing into the temple. And so they arrest Peter and John. But they can't hold Peter and John because they can't deny what just happened. This man's walking and so instead... They threatened Peter and John to never testify about Jesus ever again and to never talk about the resurrection ever again. And so they're released. And this is exactly where we pick up this morning with verse 23. And so on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and they reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. 
They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God boldly. This is the word of the Lord. Now imagine with me, if you will, that our pastors, Pastor Dave and Pastor Gina, get up one fine Sunday morning and they preach a beautiful message on the resurrection of Jesus. And people are moved and the Lord moves in beautiful ways. And just as they're about to conclude, some armed men march in the door and they take our pastors away. Confusion, anger, vengeance, and fear. These are words that could quite likely describe a reaction to an event like this. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm thinking that I would be pretty outraged about this situation. I'd be ridiculously angry And I think I'd probably want to call a lawyer or the police or somebody in authority before I'd even think to turn to prayer. And by the time I turn to prayer, I think my prayer would be one of confusion. Like, Lord, how can this happen? Where are you? Did you see this? And how can this possibly be okay? But that's not how the early church reacted. No, instead, the text says that the church raised their voices together to God in prayer. Now, this doesn't mean that they're all speaking at the same time, but it means that their hearts are united in prayer. Like when we do family prayer, it's a picture of this koinonia family of God that we talk about. And so together as a body, they pray and they affirm God's sovereignty. God, they pray, you made the heavens and you made the earth and you made the sea and you are in control of everything Because you made everything. They are not confused and they are not wondering if God is in control. And they are not mad at God even if he is in control. God, they say, you even told King David generations and generations and generations ago that the kings of the earth would band together against the kingdom of God. We've known this for hundreds of years. We've seen it again and again. The people of God have seen it. Again and again, we saw it with the Philistines, with Egypt, with Assyria, with Babylon, with Rome. And then the church recalls that even a short time ago, Rome's governor Pilate and the Roman-appointed ruler of the Jews, Herod, had conspired together with both Jew and Gentile and had hung Jesus on a cross. This is a pattern. It's not a new thing. It's a guarantee. The kingdom of earth will always resist the kingdom of God. And this latest event, this imprisonment of Peter and John, is another evidence of that pattern. God, you are sovereign, says the church, even over this pattern of war and this pattern of resistance to the kingdom of God. 
It feels like a pretty hopeless pattern, doesn't it? That the church would feel like there was no hope. If being part of the kingdom of God means that there's constant resistance, why would we, why would we do this? Why would we be part of this? But the church understands the rest of this pattern. Now in the Old Testament, when a king of the earth would rise up against the kingdom of Israel, the Lord would raise up a prophet or a king or a faithful servant and prompt them to pray and to speak the will of God. And when the people listened and turned to the Lord, the Lord would raise up in mighty ways and would defend and sustain his people. This is a pattern from the Old Testament. And in fact, the prayer that we find in our text from this morning is a prayer raised by the prophet Hezekiah in times of trial way back in the Old Testament. The church sees this pattern, and so they say, God, look at the oppression. Look at the threats made by the Sanhedrin against your kingdom and pour out your power. Show signs and healings and wonders and miracles, and God, give us the strength to speak your word boldly even as they resist us. This is a bizarre prayer. They don't pray for God to smite down the Sanhedrin. They don't pray for a kingdom of God somewhere else that's easier to build. They pray prayers of mercy. God, show them your power. Show them your love and show them that Jesus was the Savior and that everything that he said was true. And help us to continue telling them, even though they threaten us. Help us to build your kingdom, even in and through those who resist. And God moves. The earth shakes. The earth shakes just as it did in Exodus, when Moses met with God on Mount Sinai. The earth shakes just like it did when God commissioned the prophet Isaiah. It shakes like it did when Jesus died on the cross, and it shakes like it did when the Spirit fell at Pentecost. The earth shakes because God has heard, and God is answering. Now, I don't want to steal the thunder from either of our pastors in a couple couple weeks to come, but when we turn the page over to Acts chapter 5, we see that, God answered in mighty ways and that many people are healed and delivered and that the kingdom advances. Are you seeing the pattern? When Peter and John were being held by the Sanhedrin and they could have been thrown in jail or even killed for preaching the gospel, it was the power manifest in this healing of the beggar that saved them. The Sanhedrin had to let them go. It's what allowed them to preach boldly back at the Sanhedrin about the resurrection of Jesus. And it was the prayers of God's people that put all of this into motion. When resistance to the kingdom of God comes, God calls his people together in koinonia and in prayer, and he invites them to invite him to move in power. And the kingdom of earth cannot help but be shaken and moved by the power of God coming in in power and in boldness. I'm reminded of the story of Lee Strobel and his testimony, which is now a book and a movie called A Case for Christ. I'm sure many of you have heard of it. In it, Lee outlines how his life as a brilliant journalist was completely unraveled when his wife started to believe this myth of Jesus Christ. 
Lee did not want anything to do with Christ. He didn't want to go to church on Sunday. He didn't want his wife reading the scriptures to their young daughter. And so being a good journalist, he decided that he was going to set out to debunk Jesus. Certainly history and science would prove to us that a man cannot die and raise back to life. It's not possible. And so Lee, a man of science, went out and he went to museums and experts and archaeological sites everywhere. No matter where he went or what he found, it could not be refuted that Jesus Christ had walked this earth, that he had died, and that he had risen again. And as, Jesus, or as Lee was trying to debunk Jesus, his wife and her church went to prayer and they prayed that God would move in mighty ways, that he would soften Lee's heart, and that he would be real to Lee. And God moved. Lee set out to be a complete resistance to the kingdom of God, and in turn he was welcomed in to the kingdom of God. And Lee is now a Christian who boldly speaks of the truth of Jesus Christ and his resurrection and his effect and change on his entire life and existence. When resistance comes up against the kingdom of God and God's people turn to him in prayer, God moves and the kingdom advances. See, there's a direct relationship between human words and divine action. Divine action prompts human words of prayer, and those human words of prayer prompt a divine action of God's love and his power, and that power prompts human to bear words of testimony to the goodness of God. This is a kingdom-building rhythm and pattern that the church is called to and that we see described in our text for this morning. Now, all too often, when we see God manifest, we become so zealous for the Lord. And then things are quiet for a while. And there's resistance. And we feel left. And we feel abandoned. And we stop praying. And we wonder where God is. But what the Lord is showing us this morning is when that resistance comes, we need to pour back into prayer. Prayer is the lifeblood of the kingdom of God. We cannot stop praying. Cast your cares on me, Jesus said. Give them to me. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. And give me your problems because our God loves to move in power. In our text this morning, God does a miracle in a nest of vipers. He literally shows up in a room that wants to squish him. Now, he doesn't do that because he wants to get Peter and John in in jail or he wants to test their patience or something. He does this because he wants to show those who have not yet believed that he is real. It's an act of mercy. I'm pouring out my power. I'm giving you one more chance to be part of this kingdom of God. He did it to give testimony and to strengthen this relationship for the church and for us between human words and divine action. What a tremendous God we serve. He shows up for us. He shows up for sinners like us. He shows up even for those who have denied him and hung him on a cross. He pours out his power and he sets people free and he brings healing and signs and wonders. 
What if we thought about every single moment of opposition or resistance as an opportunity to invite God to show his power and his love? Now, these can be big things, things like legislation that allows abortions in this country. This can be big things like persecution of Christians in other countries where we ask the Lord to move in mighty ways. But this can be small things at home. Ask the Lord to bring healing. Ask the Lord to make ends meet. Ask the Lord to change situations and move hearts. And when he does, bear bold witness and bold testimony. Friends, this is how the kingdom of God is built. Last week, our brother Billy got up and he shared a testimony. He had a problem with a leg that was causing resistance in the life that God was asking him to lead. And so he got together and prayed, and the Lord moved in mighty ways, and Billy was healed. And then Billy did what Billy was called to do. He got up and he shared, and he bore bold testimony of God's hand of power in his life. Last week, our pastors were called to teach a conference in our classes on being people of prayer and people of the Spirit. And early in the week, it was clear that communication had sort of unraveled and that not very many churches were signed up to come. And this was resistance to what we felt the Lord wanted to do and how he wanted to move. And so we got together and we prayed. We prayed that God would bring in people and he would bring in churches and that he would speak boldly. And you heard Pastor Dina testify in family prayer. Friends, 80 leaders in our denomination stood up and said, let's be people of prayer. Let's learn to dance with the Lord and with his spirit and build his kingdom. Amen. This morning, I believe that the Lord is saying to us, Beloved children, don't forget to pray. Invite me into your chaos. Ask me to bring order to your disorder. And invite me to bring the light into that which is dark. Pray that I would speak truth where there are lies and power where there is despair. And the greatest part of all this is that I believe our Lord is chomping at the bit to show up. He loves to move in mighty ways, friends. And I'm not sure where that leaves us. And I'm wondering if we need to enter into a time of sharing where the Lord has shown up in mighty ways, maybe asking him to show up in mighty ways. seems like Pastor Jalisa has just given a bit of an invitation, and I just wonder if anyone, if there's anyone sitting here that's got something um, bubbling or burning on their heart, like a testimony or um, a prayer. Lindsay, let's just take one. Yeah, would you just stand up and, sh- and speak it to the congregation? 
from what we had known had gone missing, and we were filled with fear. Um, So my immediate family, we gathered together, and we um, started doing everything we knew possible. We're trying to get into bank accounts, seeing if there's any transactions made. We're calling professors and um, schools to see if this person had been in their class, um, frantically um, shaking in fear of this, this family member, um, what track they were on. And we had some assumptions of um, maybe what they were going to do could potentially harm themselves. And so um, just remember being riddled with fear, with anxiety, um, with striving. Where is this person? Where could they be? Um, and so after hours of um, doing these searches and not really having a sense of where we should go, um, we were at, my, um, at our house um, just over on Bridge Street, um, and we decided everyone needs to take some time to pray. We could just tell that we were so riddled with fear, almost near, like nauseated fear of, of what could possibly take place. So each family member went to a different area in the, in, in the house, and we got literally on our faces, sprawled out, and we cried out to the Lord to give us a sense of wisdom and direction about where we could go um, to potentially um, help save this person from attempting harm. And so after about 15 minutes, we gathered together. We experienced a peace that was unexplainable and especially peace that we weren't carrying 15 to 20 minutes before that time because we were so riddled with fear. And the Lord gave direction. He gave this family member, you are directed to go and drive to this place to find this person. And so the place was about, was about six hours away. And so drove there, um, this one individual, drove to that location, and there was our family member, fast asleep on the couch with a plan to harm himself. And he did not harm himself. And that individual came home, and we had seen, we were just praying fervently in his return home um, that the Lord would do something beyond we could imagine to restore him, to restore where he was mentally and emotionally. And um, I can't explain what he did in those hours, but there was a different human being standing before us, um, no longer with that um, shadow over them. There was some real darkness um, oppressing this individual, and they were free from that. Praise the Lord. Lindsay, thank you for sharing that. Um, since I'm getting is that uh, the Lord would just have us to really pay attention to um, where where we experience fear and confusion and um, anything that pushes up against the fruit of His Spirit, love, joy, and peace, that we would stop right away to pray. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm just feeling like there's this dynamic that Pastor Jalisa is naming that actually happens, if you watch closely, it happens to us every week. We come into this worship service, we come into this place, and we gather together, and the fire of God and the presence of God and the love of God are all burning here, and we get filled up, we get encouraged, we get ministered to, spoken to, whatever it is, right? You're full when you leave, and you go out, and then how long is it until you start meeting discouragement and hardship, and what do we do? And so I feel like the the Lord is saying that as we grow as a church of prayer, that we're just going to be paying attention and praying all the more. 
So um, what you did there was you gathered together. You weren't alone. What they did here was they gathered together. And so the Lord's saying, when you struggle, you don't keep struggling on your own. You gather someone together. You, you phone a friend and you say, let's pray, let's pray, let's pray. And I just I think we'll just end here just by saying um, to the Lord that we will. And um, being a part of the body of Christ means that we're vulnerable and we share when we're struggling, right? So we're just going to, we're going to all the more afford the Lord the opportunity to intervene with power and love as we pray. So why don't you just lead us into a closing prayer um, for us to grow in this sense, grow in the, in the rhythm of noticing things that come against God's peace and his presence and his kingdom and then praying. Let's pray. Father, we rejoice that you are always stronger than any resistance that can come. You are always stronger. So, Father, we pray, would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear how you are moving? Lord, would you give us boldness to speak into things, to bring your truth? Lord, would you make us people of prayer? Would you bind us in unity in prayer? Lord, would you draw us together in prayer in unexpected times and places and for things that don't even make sense? Lord, would you move mightily to draw us to prayer, Lord, because we know that in prayer you do your work. And so, Lord, we pray, build your kingdom in and through us in our prayers. In Jesus' name, amen.